2: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
3: But At the same time, I really don't think you want to be, you know, on your deathbed or face-to-face with St. Peter or the angels or whatever going like, yeah, I would have done more, but my boyfriend wasn't very supportive. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be that guy! No. Oh so yeah, get your work done because we're here for like a minute, you know?
1: It's Lisa Oz and Jill Herzog. And this is U Turns. We're talking about change and we're trying to make it a little easier than it seems to be. And we have a great expert who is going to make it really easy for us today.
4: I don't know about really easy, but possibly quite funny and fun. Samantha Bennett is with, with us. Hi, Sam. Hi, guys. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jill. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Sam is an expert in procrastination domination. I love that. I love that phrase. She's also the creator of the Organized Artist Company. She's written two books, which we'll talk about. And um, again, I, I just love your honesty and your humor in the way you approach
1: all things change. Thank you so much for, for that. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm delighted to be here. So, does that mean you're a procrastination dominatrix? <laughs>
3: it does. I've got my boots, and my whip, in the other room, and we're going to show procrastination who's really the
4: boss. Oh, yeah, Yay, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like, particularly for creative people, you feel like they need that, like whip cracking routine.
3: Well, you know, actually, that's a little. It, you know, the procrastination domination thing is almost it's, it's a little bit of a bait and switch because <laughs> <laughs> they think that's what people think they need right they think like i just need somebody to sit on my head and make me do it and i know what i need to do i just need to make myself do it and the fact of the matter is you almost it's not really a discipline discipline problem you don't need more discipline you need more desire hmm.
1: really because i yeah, i am a procrastinator par excellence and it really Maybe it's just, I need so much desire that I desire it more than being comfortable or more than fear of failure or whatever. But it really, it it doesn't seem like I don't want it. It just feels like I can't do it.
3: Yeah. So let's, let's get a little more specific in our, in our languaging, right? Because I think procrastination is a big word that a lot of things get lumped under. Um, Because if you're not actually suffering a lot of consequences from your procrastination, it probably isn't procrastination. Right. So if you're paying a ton of late fees and you're always in trouble with your friends for being late and you're um, really missing out on opportunities because you're not, you know, moving your projects forward or getting stuff done or people aren't calling you to participate in things because they know you're not reliable. Then you have a procrastination problem and you should see somebody about that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, like I. okay, so just we'll take this podcast, for example, but it's every area of my life. Jill, who's the opposite of of me, um, had read your book and written up notes and questions and was all prepared last month. And I read your book last night. So I put it off and put it off and it wasn't like a surprise. I I didn't wake up yesterday and go, oh my gosh, we're interviewing Samantha. I knew it was coming. I just put it off and put it off and put it off. Right. See, and I would disagree with you. I don't think you put
3: it off. I think everyone, this is what I hear from everybody. Everybody's like, oh my God, I never do anything till the last minute. Well, Of course. That's how we know something needs to be done is because it's the last minute like that's when everybody gets things done the point is that the last minute is different for everyone sometimes it's a month ago sometimes it's last night but your last minute is your last minute and that's what feels right for you my sister does her Christmas shopping in August
4: <laughs> yeah and if she's not done my labor day, she's like, but she, and she a, and she possibly starts feeling anxious about it you know right around July 4th <laughs> and, and, and and so August may be her last moment <laughs>
3: Right. So, and here, and this also brings up the beauty and magic of deadlines, right? Because when we have a date and some social accountability attached to something, we know we have to do it. Like you said, it's not a surprise; it's sort of in there, tumbling around. And in fact, you usually start working on it even before you've actually started working on it.
4: Yeah. You know? Yes. So
3: that's like, oh my god, I've got a presentation due tomorrow, and I haven't even started working on it. Well, that's not exactly true. You've been sort of thinking about it; it's been in the rock tumbler, and. For most of the people I work with anyway, by the time they sit down to do it, they pretty much know what they have to do. They just need to execute.
4: Although sometimes then when you, you know, you've been noodling it in your head and you've been working the problem, but when you go to actually create the thing, say the presentation or whatever, you encounter all kinds of, you know challenges and stumbling
1: blocks. It just doesn't flow the way you thought. And and then you're up all night or what? And you don't have time to fix it because you got to get the presentation. Then you give a shitty presentation and you hate yourself for not doing as well as you could have.
4: Yeah. <laughs> have we now crossed into <laughs> consequences? Procrastination? That, now we've jumped into consequences. Oh, okay. Okay. So what's the other kind though? I mean, you said there's a procrastination problem and then there's also something else is it is it like the kind of putting off of our dreams and what we want we actually would love to be doing yeah
3: so this is this is a little complicated because this is one of those things where it's two things that are equally true at the same time Mm -hmm. um I call those creative dichotomies I don't know what they're really called but it's um because two things are true. On the one hand, you need to set your dreams and set your goals and pursue them with the nonstop dogged, never say die resistance of a bulldog. Like you just cannot take any, any version of no for an answer. You have to keep going. And equally true at the same time, projects have their own time frame. Life happens. You have to be in a dynamic, surrendered relationship <laughs> with your dreams. Right. And your, right? So we set the goal, we go after it, and we stay open and flexible. About how that goes, because so I'm about to go to a meeting this afternoon for um, a musical that I wrote that's getting produced that we wrote eight years ago. <laughs>
1: well, congratulations!
3: Yes, <laughs> thank actually you. Actually, getting done. It's well, we'll, I'll believe it on opening night. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, for year for eight years, it's been like, oh, almost, oh, not quite, oh, the funding's here, oh, no, it's not, oh, this producer's interested, oh, no, they're not. So you know, you got to just kind of keep the candle lit. And keep going after it while also staying surrendered and going after other things.
4: You know, I, I want to say though that you, in your book, give people permission to let go of projects sometimes. So, and I was kind of delighted to get that permission given because very, you know, the dogged thing is the message we ordinarily hear.
3: Completion is so overrated. <laughs> <laughs> This whole good girl, finish everything on your plate. Well, you started it, you better finish it, young lady. Like, I just no.
4: Yeah, I have have a major finisher's complex. So this is speaking to my soul, please. We need to deal with this. Some things are valuable just for the process of doing them.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. This whole thing of like, oh, I start journals, but I don't finish them. The object of journal writing is not to have a completed journal. (laughs) No one cares. I haven't published. So true. Publishing them. The object of journaling is to be in the process of journaling. And once you've done that, you can let it go. You know, all that, oh, I've got all these notes from all these workshops I've taken. No, notes are your process. The knowledge is inside you, the experience mm. is inside you. You can let the notes go. You can let the journal go. You got halfway through a screenplay and didn't finish it. Fine. You may have learned all you need to from that
4: process. And what tells you, you know what, Uh, I'm kind of done with this. I'm not finished, but I'm done.
3: I don't, you know, I think it's different for everybody. I think I think part of what I would say is start just really paying attention to your own inner signals. To me, it feels like I'm reaching up on an empty shelf. Hmm. You know, like when I think about doing it, I'm up there, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I wanted to do that. And then I'm like, oh, oh wow, there's just nothing there. Hmm. It's funny. There's not resistance, there's not self-esteem issues, they're not, but there's no desire either. It's just like, oh yeah, I guess... Yeah, either now is just not the time, and that's certainly happened to me. Where I've set something aside, and then years later, it's been like, "Ooh, now is the time." Now mm-hmm. I'm really ready to finish this and get this thing done.
1: So that's about intuition. You, you use your intuition to know what you should do and not do, and you talk about intuition a lot. Um, it's a it's a big skill for you. It's one of your one of your you know superpowers yeah superpowers thank you exactly <laughs> definitely
3: definitely I'm a big fan of intuition inner knowing however you want to phrase that for yourself um because there's so much you know school school is great but it, it it laid a big trip on us you know about how you're supposed to know all the answers in advance <laughs>
1: yes life doesn't <laughs> and, give you even the questions in advance forget about uh, the answers yes, yeah.
3: questions exactly you know life isn't like that love isn't like that. Parenting isn't like that. Being a good friend or an entrepreneur or a creator isn't like that. You know, it's a lot more like following the sparkly breadcrumbs into the forest. You know, you don't know. I hear this all the time from people like, oh, I want to do this, but I don't know how. Like, well, kitten, of course you don't know how. How could you possibly know how? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah.
5: Never
3: done it before. And even if someone else has done it before, they haven't done it your way. So you have to rely, you know, you have your skill set, you have your knowledge capital, you have this personality, this identity, this way of being in the world that you were born with. But mostly what you have is your just your own little inner compass, your inner knowing about what's what's right for you and what's not. And it's tricky because sometimes like the natural reluctance to try something new and the genuine feeling that this is not right for me are almost identical feelings. Like it can be very tricky to, yeah. to figure that out.
4: And you can disguise the fear in something else, you know. Oh, for sure, especially smart people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You we'll can just, defend. <laughs> you can defend it like crazy if you're good at that kind of thing. Say no, no. no the reason I'm not trying this is really because it's unrealistic and honestly it would, wouldn't make sense for me. And I'm not really that interested and I don't in any like way. It anyway. Anyway, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Be responsible. I don't really think the market's ready for that. I just, yeah,
4: uh-huh, uh-huh. right. Right. You
3: all talk yourselves in and out of things on a dime.
4: Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Um, so we are talking about U-turns here. And um, one of the interesting things I I feel like we've encountered as we've found our quote-unquote experts to talk to, like you, um, is that all of them have gone through dramatic U-turns because it's human, um, because we all have these twists and turns. And um, when we come back from the break, I'd love to hear about uh, about the one you are so honest about.
1: The rest of them you lie about. I do You lie for sure. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade
1: Before the break, Jill had asked Sam a question about one of her U-turns in life, some time when things didn't turn out the way that you had intended that they turn out. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure,
3: absolutely. I mean, I I spent most of my life as an actor, right? So I, I was one of those kids who went to theater camp. I studied theater in college. I had a career in Chicago and then in Los Angeles. And I had one of those acting careers that went well enough that you didn't want to give up on it but not well enough as to actually be able to support a person. Yeah. <laughs> so I was in you know in this world of like doing just a million different jobs and gigs and projects and shows and auditions and other projects and juggle, juggle, juggle. And it was creatively very satisfying, financially disastrous. And then my second marriage fell apart. And just a really sort of the one-two punch of alcoholism and, infert- and infertility just kind of took us down mm-hmm. and I spent six weeks on the couch crying, which is what you do when your life falls apart. Perfectly understandable. Right. Yes. And then I had one idea. <sighs> I had one idea. My one idea was maybe I could go to Carpinteria, which is a little town about 90 minutes outside of LA that I'd always been in love with. Right. It was one of those places I would come to for the weekend. We'd come for lunch. And I'd be like, Oh, Oh, if only I could live here. Oh, there's no way, but it would be so great. And I just thought, well, maybe I could. And so I got a short-term rental and I called it a writing retreat because I wasn't willing to say I was getting divorced because I didn't know if I was or not. And it was great. I got a ton of writing done. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. And then I got another short-term rental and then I moved. And the minute I moved you know how that is when you make a big change and you're really uncertain, but you just commit. And it's like the universe just comes rushing at you. Like there's just this giant tidal wave of support and money and opportunities and easy, fun, great. Like the great apartment got delivered at the amazing, I had the best deal you know, in CARP. <laughs> like incredible things. And for my ex-husband too, like his life. Hmm. Took like a rocket. Like so many of his dreams came true. Almost the minute we separated, huh. and it was like we were standing there on separate mountaintops, going like, "Hi, I love right. you. Sorry, we couldn't do this together."
4: <laughs> so, are you a believer in at moments of upheaval in your life that sort of sounds like this one just sort of barreled down on on top of you? It's not like it was planned upheaval, particularly that that those are good moments to just consider what the hell, let's 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 change everything. Let's go at it. Light a match, see what burns. Yeah,
3: for sure, for sure. Because you know, we don't when we're in our twenties. You know, we have a lot of opportunities to change our lives. You know, and there are a lot of decisions that feel like very big, momentous decisions. And then we make other big, momentous decisions. As I, we get older, I think those those opportunities come more rarely. So to sort of take advantage and really question:
1: Yes, who am I? Mm-hmm. Yes, what is my life about? Yes, what do I want? Really. Yeah. You mm-hmm. have a tool for figuring out what you really want that I absolutely love, the five-minute art project. Oh. Just for, because sometimes we don't know what we want. And even when we put ourselves in a new situation, you could have stayed in a ball in Carpinteria, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, but you didn't. And so I think this is a, a incredibly useful tool for people who are feeling stuck and need to figure out where their heart is leading them.
3: Yeah. Yes, this is an incredible tool and, and my favorite, and it works every time for everybody. And there's so few things <laughs> you can say that about. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, anytime you're feeling stuck, particularly stuck in a story, stuck in an event, stuck in old, old stuff, make some five-minute art about it. And that might mean just getting a piece of typing paper and a magic marker and just drawing stick figures. It might mean making up a song or a dance or getting out the Sculpey clay, you know, whatever. And it's not good. You don't have to make it good art. Nobody's ever going to see it. It's just about getting the feelings into form, giving Mm -hmm. them a shape outside of your brain. Yeah. Because feelings just want to be felt. That's all they want. Feelings just want to be felt. And once a feeling knows it's been felt, it can get promoted and get a better job. (laughs) (laughs) And there's nothing like giving it shape. I I was doing an interview one time with a woman who had a podcast, but she also still had her full-time job. And she was reading my book and prep for the podcast and uh, read the thing about five-minute art and was like, oh yeah, that's super interesting. I should totally try that one time. Like we all do, right? Like yeah. Yes. yeah I'll
4: try. <laughs> you know? I, I would be that. I would be that person saying, sure, sure. In, in, another, five, in ske- another five. I'm sketching here and right, right while we're talking.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Doodle
3: absolutely. Some people do better, think better when their hands are busy. I'm I'm like that too. Um, but so anyway, she she came home and just had had an incredibly crappy day at work. Really super duper crappy. Saw my book on her desk and went, oh, I should make some, I've had a crappy day. I should make some five-minute art about this. So she got out a piece of typing paper and a pen, and she says she's not a drawer. You know, she doesn't think of herself as an artistic person. But she made this sort of sketch of herself kneeling, and then everybody from work in a circle around her throwing rocks at her.
4: Ooh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's like some what somebody who's been through a war would... would. Sketch Like a, it's right? a real I PTSD mean, one. Just that expression alone. I mean,
3: it's one thing to say to your sweetheart, honey, I've had a crappy day. It's another thing to say this.
4: Yeah, this is how I, how I feel.
3: Right? Yeah. So that alone I thought was amazing. And then after she drew it, she had this little insight and she added a circle around her. And she said the circle was God's love. Hmm. And she went into work the next day with a totally different attitude, really rooted in her knowing that she was protected by the love of God.
4: And and was it a sign that she really should leave that job with the rock
1: throwing people? I mean, well, she was well, protected by the she, circle, she, yeah, has, or or is, is, is I it maybe fun? it was a force field and other yeah. rocks could hit her,
4: yeah.
3: As it happens, I'm still in touch with her. And she did, in fact, leave that job eventually. But what I think is, I think we all know the story of what it is to go to work every day, feeling like they're throwing rocks at you. Mm -hmm. We all know how that's going to go. Eventually, you're going to quit or get fired. There's no good way that's going to end. Going in, however, with this confidence, with this sense of inviolability, with this sense of, you know, they're not trying to hurt me. They can't hurt me. They get what's, what's deep and true about me is is unassailable. You know, that that can't be hurt. So I can show up and be present and listen and see what happens, you know, follow the path in the way it's actually meant to go and not just let my hurt feelings make the decisions for me.
1: You talk about that. That's another thing that you touch on in, in the book um, is a, another way of expressing God, but the net for, mm. for people who are uncomfortable with the word God. Um it it just a way of feeling protected right and and that's really helpful when you're going through a difficult time
3: yeah yeah i i um i also have very mixed feelings about the word god so <laughs> I'm, I'm all for that yeah i have this image in my head of like like if if there's a beam of light going through you right like through your spine it goes up through your head and sort of connects you to the stars and it goes down into the earth and connects you to earth And, um, and then maybe there's other beams of light coming off of you, like, like a dandelion spokes, right? And so they connect you with everything, right? Because everybody else has those spokes too. And maybe even all the animals and plants do, maybe even the rocks do. So when you get that picture in your mind, you start to see this, this net, this web of all these interlocking spokes and we're all part of the same thing, right? This is that first law of thermodynamics, right? That the energy is never lost. It's only transformed. So we're connected to everything. We're all basically the same thing. I mean, we're made out of the same things that the stars are made out of. You know, there's that whole thing about we have a certain amount of our, our DNA is the same as chimpanzees. Like this, some enormous percentage of our DNA is the same as daffodils. I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> we're really the same. And that, that feeling of just being part of a giant energetic net, I find very, like, you could lean back in it like it's a hammock, you know, Mm. or you could on it when you want something, like, you could yank on it a little bit, or, you know, you Mm. can't overwhelm it, you can't be too small for it, you're, you're, you're an
4: essential part of it. Like, I don't know, I get a lot of, um... Just sort of instantly beats that sense of isolation, that sense of falling, falling through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of can't be lonely with that, can you? No, no. You have another, um, another exercise that I thought was so simple and great in your book, um, about confronting fear by speaking it out loud.
3: Yeah. You know, when things are inside your head, they seem really real, (laughs) you know, like, Oh, they're all going to hate me. Oh, I'm going to do this and no one's going to come. No one's going to pay for that. They're going to, I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail publicly. I'm going to fail publicly in a really ugly way. Yeah. Yeah. That all feels very super real. And what I notice is that when you even just write it down on a piece of paper and better yet, read it, write it down on a piece of paper and then say it out loud to somebody you trust. Um, Almost immediately, another part of your brain kicks in and goes, well, you're probably not going to lose everything. <laughs> <You know? laughs> not everyone's going to hate it. You, know? like, you can get some sort of perspective. And this is, this is again, part of the thing about making some art about it. But again, it's yeah. just giving it some form outside of your head so that you can really analyze it. Because some things do have risks. And, you know, you were talking at the beginning of of the program about change and about change being uncomfortable. I mean, that. what that image of the net says to me is that change is constant, right? Energy is constantly flowing through that net. So if change is constant and God or the net or whatever we want to call that is also constant, then sort of the more
1: change, the more God. So you may not like change, but change sure loves you. <laughs> there, there's only one alternative to change, really, and that's death. Well, I love I think that a lot too. I don't talk about it so much because it's a little bit of a buzzkill. But
3: you know, I talk to a lot of creatives. They're like, "Well, I would do more, but you know, I had this teacher who really discouraged me when I was in the third grade. You know, she told me I couldn't write, or I had a mother like this, or a boyfriend who was like that. I'm like, I get it. We've all had those experiences that put us off. You know, something we loved. But at the same time, I really don't think you want to be, you know, on your deathbed or face to face with Saint Peter or the angels or whatever, going like. Yeah, I would have done more, but my boyfriend wasn't very supportive.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to be that guy. No. So yeah, get your work done because we're here for like a minute, you know? Okay, so the subtitle of your book, Get It Done, is From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day. So when you say get it done, you don't necessarily mean spend 10 hours getting it done because you might burn yourself out. Explain the 15 minutes a day thinking. Yeah.
3: So who's got 10 hours, right? I mean, I think this is a big problem. We have these, you know, I want to write a book. I want to start a business. I want to do these big things. Um, and we sort of feel like, oh, I need a build it in Provence for six months in order to do that, which would be great. And I'd like to sign us all up for that. <laughs> but. Most of us have lives. We don't have all that kind of time. So my challenge, my dream, my mission in life is to have everybody spending 15 minutes a day on the projects that matter most to them. And you know how this is. We get everything done for everybody else all day, but the stuff that really matters to us, our prayer and meditation practice, our yoga, our writing, our music, our dance, our whatever it is you love to do is not getting done. It's not even on the list sometimes. So put it first. Put it first. 15 minutes a day, 365 days a year. It
4: changes your life. I have seen this. My clients and students who do this see unbelievable, miraculous results. And is that because the 15 minutes actually turns into an hour and you get so much more into it than you thought you would ever be able to? Or is it because the consistency of that... Um, practice all of the above yeah
3: sometimes yeah sometimes you sit down for 15 minutes and four hours go by Mm -hmm. sometimes you sit down for 15 minutes and you stare at a blank piece of paper for 15 minutes which is fine 15 minutes of enforced boredom never hurt a person (laughs) (laughs) and this you know oh, I have to be constantly productive disease has got to go yeah. It's showing up for it every day. It's get The 15 minute thing hopscotch is you right past your perfectionism, right past your, you know, um, overthinking. Cause you know, how perfect is it going to be in 15 minutes? How much could you get done in 15 minutes? And you'll be amazed at how much you can get done in 15 minutes every day for a week, a month, a year, 10 years. It's, it's
4: shocking. Hmm. So you've had clients who actually produced books in 15 minutes a day or thought up I great, had, I, great new ideas for a business or something like this.
3: I do. I do. I have one who finished a PhD actually. Which
1: oh, I, in 15 God. minutes a day for I for know. 30 years? I mean, how I long know. would that take? <laughs> <laughs> but it might've taken her
3: five,
5: you yeah. know, yeah. but she
1: had little
3: kids. I mean, there was only so much time she had. My favorite story is I had a woman who was working with me privately and I hardly ever work with people privately anymore. Um, so it was a little exceptional, but she um, she had a day job, you know, and under fluorescent lights that she was pretty sure was sucking her soul away, right? And she wanted to be a jewelry designer and maker. So I t- talked to her about this 15 minute thing and she's like, Sam, that's not going to work for me. It takes me 15 minutes just to get my stuff out. Like I've got all those beads and tools. And, and I was like, look, you're a creative person, figure it out. Like just, even just spend 15 minutes sketching or doodling or daydreaming, whatever you want. The next time I talked to her, she had made herself like a little kit, right? Like a little, um, like people who do fly tying do yeah, right? Those, yeah. <laughs> tackle box. Yeah, no, like a tackle box, exactly. So she could take it out, work for 15 minutes and put it back. And in three weeks, she had made two, three necklaces, which was three more than she had made in the previous nine months. Hmm. Okay. She was also interning at a tattoo parlor, which in LA, being a tattoo artist is kind of a big deal. <laughs> she was interning at a tattoo parlor and now she had this little kit. So she started taking her jewelry kit to the t- tattoo parlor to, you know, to work on like during the downtime. Well, they didn't know she made jewelry. So now the tattoo parlor starts selling her jewelry. And between the jewelry and the tattoos, she can quit the soul-sucking job <laughs> and like start oil painting, which was what she really wanted to do. I'm telling you, it's amazing. The matching of 15 a day.
4: minutes a day. I love that. And you also talk about time and how having too much of it can be as paralyzing as not having enough. When we come back from the break, I'm going to get into that.
2: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs>
1: You're talking about time. And I think we all feel like we don't have enough time. But you say the problem is sometimes having too much time. We all have, by the way, we all have 24 hours a day. So nobody has more time than anyone (laughs) else. Nobody gets any more than anybody else. So that's, that's absolutely true. But not having enough to do maybe in that time and just. Feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. We were talking before about the beauty and magic of deadlines, you know, that that when you end up with a
3: vast expanse of time and no deadline, it can really be hurtful. And then we start whipping ourselves too, because we've spent all this time telling ourselves, like, okay, when summer vacation comes, okay, when I retire, okay, when I get this time off, okay, this is when I'm gonna do it. And then the moment comes and you cannot get off the couch. And I think that's a function of a lot of things. Sometimes I think we just don't give ourselves enough time to downshift. You know, I mean, to, to transition, that, yeah, transition to go from having a full time job, yeah. or to be with your kids all the time to all of a sudden, a lot of empty space. There's a lot of recalibration that needs to happen, and I think to be a little patient with yourself while you do that, but also, you know, just use the other tools that are at your disposal. Use the 15 minute a day thing. Use social accountability, like get a buddy. Because I can tell myself that I'm going to do something forever and I may or may not do it. But if I tell you guys that I'm going to have it to you by Tuesday morning, well, I will have it to you by Tuesday morning. Yeah. So leverage the things that matter to you to to help get you through those times where you feel like.
1: Because you say you want to do something to yourself and you wake up at six months later and you have no idea how that just happened and you still haven't made any progress on your project cuz yeah. you didn't do that 15 minutes a day. Well,
3: that's it. I mean, sometimes procrastination just means your project is too big.
1: So then you what do you do? Break it down into small lots of small little projects. Tiny little chunks, exactly.
3: So you think to yourself, we should redo the house. And you get this image in your mind of the house like top to bottom totally redone. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, right? Like it's And then you immediately get overwhelmed because how do you even, right? Yes, yes. I don't know, tile guy, and I don't know how to uh, uh, do, right? Right. And then you just freak yourself out and don't do anything. This is a very common (laughs) routine, right? They get a big idea, but it's so big, they don't even know where to start. So um, I'm a big fan of going through the door that is open, right? Pick something that's right in front of you that's little and doable and, and start to work on that. Because your brain is this beautiful, amazing, problem-solving machine. Almost every question you give it, it tries to find an answer to, and it mostly succeeds. Unless there's too many unknowns or too many variables. So something like, how do I redo the whole house without spending our life fortune and finding a contractor who's not going to trick me and end up homeless on the street? Oh my God. (laughs) Trying to think about too many things. There's too many unknowns and too many variables. How do I find a new carpet for the upstairs bedroom? Oh, your brain says, carpet for the upstairs bedroom. (laughs) Oh, there's that carpet shop that I drive by every day. And oh wait, didn't my cousin Stevie just redo her house? Maybe she knows something about, like once you give it something specific to look for, your brain's great at finding an answer. Hmm. So that's yeah. why you got to chunk it out.
1: So it sounds like something else that you talk about in your book, which is this idea of clutter. Because it sounds like your brain, when you're thinking of doing your whole house, your brain is cluttered with too many ideas. But I think in our lives, we create clutter physically, emotionally, um, psychologically. And you have this exercise of a dream closet, which isn't really a closet. When you when I saw that t- t- chapter title, I was all excited. And I had a, a vision of my dream closet, which was nothing. It was like Barbie's dream closet. Nothing like what you're talking about. Can you did it have a see?
4: dressing table? And a, did did I Did it have anything? a fainting couch?
1: Yes, a fainting couch. <laughs> it did. It was pink velvet. Yes. Um, but t- tell us about your dream closet exercise.
3: Okay, I'm still hung up on like all those little shoe boxes and the and the fainting couch. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I totally want that. Um, yeah. So here's the thing: the Chinese say that health is flow right? Health is flow. We want air to flow in and out of our lungs freely. We want love to flow in and out of our lives. This is probably why I say like change is love is God is good, right? More flow better. Clutter is stuckness, right? So whether we're dealing with stuck stuff, those piles of stuff that don't move, or stuck feelings, stuck ideas, you have an unhealthy situation, So whether we're dealing with stuck stuff or stuck ideas, stuck old stories. So the idea of a dream closet is to just, it's a little imagination game to just imagine in your mind a closet that has all your old dreams in it. Your dreams of when you were a child, your dreams of when you were in college and all through your life. And to maybe take a look and see, are they really yours? Sometimes we get dreams handed down to us from our parents or our grandparents or from the culture Definitely. And to be able to look at something and go, wait a minute, that's not my dream. I don't care about a six bedroom house in the suburbs. That's not my thing. Um, some of that stuff can get get rid of. Some of it, um, it's just old. You know, I go like, oh yeah, that was my dream when I was 13. But I don't let 13 year olds make decisions for my life right now.
1: And it doesn't fit me
3: anymore anyway. Right. It doesn't right. fit It's too me tight. Anymore. It's too tight. Or there's other dreams that we go, wow, that dream's been with me a long time, and it really does still matter to me. I really do want to take that out and and see see how I can make that functional in my life
7: right
1: now. There's something you say that actually I believe so firmly, um, and I think it's it's a it's more powerful even than I can comprehend. But you say structure is freedom, and that just blows me away. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
3: Yeah, so a a pile of bricks in the yard is a pile of bricks. A pile of bricks in form, in structure, is a house, right? So we need to have parameters around things. We need to have, even children when they're playing games, go, okay, here's the rules. That's hot lava, and you be the fairy princess and I'll be the king. (laughs) Like. Like, those are the rules of the game. And then we play that game until we decide to play another game. Um, So to understand what the the structures are that are supporting you and what ones maybe aren't. And where the illusion of freedom is actually keeping you
1: stuck. Yeah, because you think freedom means you can do whatever the heck you want with no rules and no parameters and just like, you know, stay in bed all day. And then you do nothing.
3: And then you do nothing. Whereas, like, my calendar rules my life, right? And I'm so 1987,
4: I still keep a date book. (laughs) (laughs) Many people do. They just don't tell one another. But many people have a filofax still. Remember those? No, yes. (laughs) My sister has a very effective, fabulous person in the world has a bulging filofax to this day.
3: You know, when you show me a better technology, I'll use it. But (laughs) right now, pen and paper works great for me. I do have a Google Calendar, too, so that my team knows where I am. Um, But on on my calendar, I'll block out Friday afternoons because I don't like to work Friday afternoons, right? If I'm working on a book or if I'm writing, I'll block out writing time. And then it says on my calendar, writing 10 to one. So then I write from 10 to one because that's what it says to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I put CrossFit on my calendar. I put date night on my calendar. All those things that are really important to me, I structure the time so that they
1: happen. I have one last question. What I really care about is becoming an elusive rainbow sparkles unicorn. How am I going to do that?
3: <laughs> becoming an elusive sparkly rainbow unicorn is my answer to managing crowds and going to conferences and networking events and places where there's a lot of people. I'm super shy and super introverted. Oh, yeah, we could tell. Yeah. I yeah. know. No one <laughs> ever believes it, but it's it's real. <laughs> you haven't seen me in a group. Like, Watch me. My hands start ringing. I start sweating. I lose my words. It's terrible. And I also, just to get it out there, suffer from anxiety and depression. And I say that just because I think it's important to acknowledge that. And,
4: and you talk about it in your book, which I th- I really appreciate it. I mean, you said it's something you manage. Exactly,
3: exactly. The same way I would manage any other condition. And um, But reminding myself that I don't need to meet every person in the room. I don't need to make 20,000 new best friends. I can just make one friend. I could just be there for a little bit. And then
1: go back up to my room. <laughs> that's the elusive I, part of the sparkly rainbow unicorn.
3: <laughs> that's the elusive part. Like I could, and, and I can also treat myself a little, with a little more special special. You know, I can really make sure that I take time for my meditation practice that morning. I can really make sure that I'm wearing something that I feel great in. I can um, schedule something fun for afterwards, you know, lunch with a friend
1: just so that you, um, I'm showing up in a way that feels really great. Yeah. So you're feeding yourself when you know you're going to be drained later. Exactly. Yeah.
4: And sort of babying yourself into it, essentially saying, look, self, I'm going to challenge you to do something that doesn't come so naturally, but I'm going to give you some treats along the way. And there might be a roast chicken when I'm done. (laughs) roast chicken? We can sit in a room and read an
3: Like My inner nine-year-old runs the show way more than I care to admit. (laughs) So if I bribe my inner nine-year-old with a chance to read in bed or some silver sparkly
4: shoes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to be having a long, friendly chat with my inner nine-year-old this evening. Thank you so much for all of this great advice, Sam. You can find more of it in Samantha's books. Start right where you are and get it done. You can also find more of Sam Bennett at StartRightWhereYouAre.com and on Twitter at OrgArtCo.
1: And connect with us at U-Turns Podcast. Tell us your stories. Let us know how you sparkle.
0: Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartburn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with smart metabolic burn from Brain MD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
7: Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus?